0: Most people have good intentions, but few people practice intentionality. Greetings from the state of Wisconsin. We've been here for a couple of days doing ministry to men and culminating with a men's rally with my good friend Paul Nebel. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Coach. Great to be with you today. We're looking forward to talking to the audience about your background, how you had a vocational path in the correctional facilities of your state and then now transitioning into ministering to men who also need freedom in their life. Mm-hmm. But give us a little background on who you are. You're from this neck of the woods. Uh, it's great to be back in the heartland of America, America's Dairyland. Mm-hmm. So tell us about Paul and Eve on his growing up days in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, born and raised in the area.
1: Uh, lived here my whole life, went to school here. Uh, about five years old, uh, moved with my family out to a local lake, so I got to spend my days uh, fishing out there. My dad had, uh, was an avid sportsman. Um, my mom enjoyed fishing with him, so we spent a lot of time fishing. Uh, caught some big northern out there during the years. And uh, my dad also introduced me to hunting. He was a, a pheasant hunter at, at heart. Yeah, I had a lot of great stories about that. But uh, So he would take me along as a young man and I, before I could carry my own gun. And uh, just one thing he always impressed me with was his shooting ability. I, w- I would just uh, be amazed at the, his ability. Uh, in in pheasant hunting, so um, and then uh, uh, like I said, went to school in town here uh, met this uh, beautiful young girl that I fell in love with and uh, shortly after high school, a couple years after high school we were married and we've been married 35 years now we raised four uh, beautiful daughters and they married four wonderful young men so I have four great son-in-laws now so I I got the boys that I didn't have growing up I got them now as son-in-laws And uh, but uh, they now are providing me with grandchildren. So we have 10 grandchildren, uh, four of which are boys. I gotta make sure I got that right, four boys. So uh, uh, have a lot of fun with them and get to pass along uh, a little bit of that fishing and hunting legacy and love for the outdoors with them now. Also grew up a Packer fan. I know I know in uh passing that legacy along, also we got to enjoy Lambeau Field together the other day, so that was a great to experience that with you to see you sitting behind Vince Lombardi's desk. I know that was a special moment for you, uh, but yeah, that was some neat experiences so and then uh shortly after high school, began a career in corrections, spent a little over uh thirty three years doing that in a variety of positions, and then was uh, able to transin- transition into the ministry. Um, Some other part-time things that I'm doing now, so um, enjoying life uh, and, uh, I guess, reaping the benefits of all those younger
0: years. (laughs) You know, a couple of cultural experiences. This is my third time to be with you in Wisconsin and uh, I really enjoyed uh, Tuesday is the day for the grandkids to come by right. and hang out, which is a very intentional approach <laughs> that uh, grandfathers should take advantage of. And you've got mm-hmm. a very unique system set up here with uh, well your wife Jane. Well worth it, yeah. And so, little Logan, one of your four grandsons, was with us on the morning <laughs> walk we were taking. Yep. And uh, we had a, a combination of a, uh, a sidewalk journey and then also go out to the nature trails. And I learned something today because my father wasn't an outdoorsman like yours, we had other hobbies and interests where I was from in the South. We enjoyed going to racetracks where things were loud. And I've taken you to the racetracks before yeah. in Wisconsin. But as a uh, avid hunter, a strong outdoorsman, uh, your grandson is certainly, you're discipling him well because he was teaching Coach K today about having a woods voice. Tell us about that episode. Yeah.
1: Well, our granddaughter Kennedy was riding ahead of us on the bike on the trail, and she stopped suddenly. She said, two deer just ran in front of me. So we knew there was some deer in the woods. So I said to Logan, I said, well, what do we need to do in the woods? How do we need to talk? Well, we need to use our woods voice. So, yeah, so we had to quiet down and and talk uh, at a much lower volume and walk a little more carefully, so uh, give us the opportunity uh, in case we were going to see any deer. And uh, he reminded us quite frequently as we were walking along. Uh, I don't know if you saw him the one time, but he he told me, zip it and put it in your pocket. So uh, I think that's something he got uh, from home because I, I haven't told him that one. But uh, yeah, he was very instructional for us on using our woods voice while we were out there.
0: And then maybe he also were, was impacted in some small way. Uh, the Lord gave us a divine appointment as we crossed paths with your former high school football coach. Yeah, yeah. And a great interact with him. He affirmed you as a uh, tremendous player back in the day and was uh, applauding uh, uh, your wheels as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So I uh, heard a lot about that. Uh, we had some receivers at Clemson that uh, your profile reminds us of. But uh, Logan seemed to be kind of impacted by a a prayer hurdle we had with your football coach.
1: He did. I noticed that. He was sitting on my shoulders at the time because we'd put in about a three, four-mile walk. And uh, he was was a trooper. He was lugging along. But uh, at that point, I was carrying him on my shoulders. And as you were praying... I just noticed I I could kind of feel his head on top of mine, and he was in a very reflective mood. So he had uh, two opportunities to pray with us this morning. So, again, I know he's being discipled at home. Uh, He knows the value of that. He knows who he's
0: talking to. And uh, so, yeah, it was was a very special moment indeed. You know, it's important for us to learn to experience the voice of God. Mm -hmm. And to me, prayer, uh, which you guys listening in on the podcast today, I was sharing with the audience last night at the men's rally. That that's really one of the uh, connection points with God that men need to develop further. Mm-hmm. God conversations, because I think sometimes guys think of a prayer warrior in quotation marks as being something they can never attain. And so I think that God is wanting just to express our hearts, uh, like little Logan was instructing me about the woods voice. You know, I think that that's what God wants to talk to us, and I think that's why I welcome children because they were such teachable spirits. They had the humble spirits, and He always made time for children as you're making time for your grandchildren. Well, you played high school football, uh, you married your high school sweetheart, you guys began to build a family. For like most men, you know, uh, vocational paths are chosen. So you're 18 years of age, you're at a crossroads, uh, the future is out there ahead of you. Tell us how you got into the correctional uh, department for the state of Wisconsin.
1: Right. Yeah, I really didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. And uh my reasons for going to college weren't probably the best, so that didn't happen. Started working a little bit of construction, and uh when I lived out on the lake, there was basically a prison about two miles away in our backyard, and I thought, eh, maybe I should do that. So talked to uh, uh, some people that I knew that were in corrections and applied for that and actually got hired at the Wapan State Prison. And uh, there's several prisons in our community, and uh, Wapan is uh, a maximum facility for, for men. And uh, so I, I uh, walked in there as an 18-year-old, fresh out of high school, basically, and uh, uh, received quite an awakening to a, a culture that I didn't know existed, so I had to grow up pretty fast in there. And um, to, to walk into that as an 18-year-old oh. is quite a shock, but uh, I, I hung with it, um, and um, it was uh, a, a rewarding career in many aspects. It, it can be if you accept it as that. But I also believe that's where God was developing me, a, a heart uh, for men, uh, the special need that guys have. You know, we expect them to be these, these role models as, as uh, uh, father and priest in their home, but yet, you know, are we training them to do that? And uh, one of the common denominators that I, I found out through the years uh, was the lack of that, for a lot of them, For not not everyone, but for a lot of them. Um, That was part of the reason that they were there. They hadn't been modeled uh, manhood or or fatherhood. And so that's all
0: they knew. On our morning walk today, you were reminding me of a story as we crossed uh, uh, into the nature trail about somebody who had been intentional with you. Mm -hmm. Because in our own journey of faith, it's good to go back and think about milestones, to see people who were impact players. You obviously were... uh, thrilled that we cross paths with your old high school football coach a father figure type individual your dad taught you how to shoot a gun uh your your high school coach uh, uh no doubt developed your skills as an athlete but as we think about somebody who got intentional and uh, as we say often in our travels a lot of guys just come and hit that spiritual time clock on Sundays mm-hmm. right. and then they do the family thing yep. but Monday through Saturday belong to them right whether it's on the racetrack with me in the Carolinas or out in the woods, nothing wrong with those elements. But if that's the totality of our being, those things can be leveraged uh, for what we like to call the ministry of hanging out. But there should be a purpose beyond just those activities and hobbies and interests we have. Well, somebody got intentional with you and began to really uh, be strategic in inviting you to a small group where you begin to discuss life together. Tell us about that episode in your life.
1: Right, we had started attending a new church in town, different church, and. Uh, One of the men who uh, was a regular as a greeter would invite us each week when we came in to their small group gathering on a a Wednesday evening. He was very persistent about it. He he wasn't rude or anything like that. But every time we would say good morning, he would say, hey, you should come to our our group on uh, Wednesday night or, or, hey, join our small group. And uh, so after a while, just because I was basically getting tired of him asking us all the time, I told my wife, I said, let's just go. Then he'll leave us alone. And uh, we can be done with that part. At that point, I guess we just didn't feel that was something we needed in our lives. We were busy raising kids, you know, a lot of things going on uh, as the kids are getting older. So we went and uh, found out that, hey, this isn't so bad. It was nice to meet a different group of people, to get to know more people at church. Um, we had fun, which, you know, you think, God, oh, what are you going to get? You know, when you go to a Bible study, it's going to be, you know, I mean, I, I'll admit I had nerves about, oh, they're going to ask me to pray. Or he's gonna tell me, you know, look up some chapter in the Bible and I'm not gonna know how to find it, so I'm nervous about that. And and none of those things happened. You know, we uh, the friendships that were formed were wonderful. There was always some food involved, which helps me and as a you know, help any time you want to get guys involved, involve food. Um but we we kept going and uh we just became an important part of our life then, something we wanted to do. And that's also a time I think when um because I'd been involved in other groups. We had we had done small groups together, but I'd been involved in some men's groups. And I just really appreciated that special atmosphere that you have in a, in a guys-only environment, because we would even take our small group and we would divide up periodically, where the, the guys would go in one room and the girls would stay, and just to talk about things, you know, man-on-man, and uh, just the difference that that provided in that setting. So, yeah, that persistent invitation was key, uh, and I found that out in ministry, too. Um, guys appreciate that that handshake that personal invitation you can send him emails you can stand up on stage and ask him but when you shake his hand and look in his eye number one like happened with us this weekend you know where he's kind of at if he's gonna come or not and if he's a little hesitant it's an opportunity to offer that encouragement uh, a challenge too. you know some guys you know because uh, we can be king of excuses a lot of times so that's why, you know, I try to take as many excuses away I can. You know, well, pick them up. Do the things you've got to do to make sure he doesn't have those excuses. But that personal invitation, you can't beat that. So, yeah. so
0: Let's talk about the men's rally that uh, took place last evening. And then we'll go back and, and give some background about two major ministries okay. that helped to develop you in your own journey of faith as well as, as a leader of men. So we're in town this, uh, this uh, weekend. And having a chance to, uh, we'll also talk later about our visit to Lambeau Field, what a tremendous experience that was, experience the the culture of the Midwest. But uh, last evening, picking up on this uh, point of being intentional about uh, personal invitations with men. You guys have done a great job in promoting this uh, biennial gathering, this uh, cookout for the East Central Wisconsin uh, game. Uh, we'll call it. And uh, so there's that local church arena where you were going in your own faith and plugging in as a leader of men. But then you want to branch that out. And we'll talk about how that ties in with Milwaukee and Orlando uh, shortly. But last evening, we saw that with our very eyes of how God was working individually in the lives of men. Right. You were intentional with promoting the event and, and doing things with your team. And then as we arrived here on Saturday, uh, we had a chance to go to your Saturday evening service multiple services on Sunday morning as well as multiple campuses and so we had a chance to intermingle with a, quite a few guys and I was giving you some feedback on the, the body language and what the responses were when we stood out after giving a public announcement on the platform and then just uh informally out in the uh, lobbies of the churches that we were at and uh, we had a guy come last night tell him that story
1: do James or yeah um uh Years ago, I invited him face-to-face to to a No Regrets conference, and uh, he's relayed that story a couple times that he just appreciated that personal invitation, but then you had run into him up in Fond du Lac, and uh, we don't call them chance encounters, we call them divine appointments, right? It was something that God orchestrated. So you had a chance to uh, reach out to him, shake his hand, and give him that personal invitation. And at first he told you he really didn't plan on coming, but then when he saw us up there on stage, he said, yeah, I should, I should probably check my calendar, see if I can clear it. But when he made that touch, you know, when you gave him that personal invitation, he's like, yeah, I'll be there. And I, I know he also um, he brought his father-in-law along, so it was great to have him there. Uh, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of a couple other things. I saw uh, at least two uh, family situations where Grandpa, Dad, and Son were there. So how neat to see three generations of men. There might have been more than that. There might have been some four generations because we had a great age range of guys. I know there were other guys there that uh, have been praying about someone in their life, and they were there last night. So it's just great to, to know that they had reached out also and made that personal touch, that personal
0: invitation. For the uh, men's discipleship leader listening into the podcast today who may be thinking, wow, I need something like that to kind of energize my guys, we have our group meetings And that's for the fellows who are being drawn closer to the Lord. They're completely identifying with Christ. But as we've given our life to reaching men on the fringe, and we came here to target your fringe guys last night, you had a large population of those fellows show up, including James, who was on the fringe and wasn't planning to come. But just a simple invitation, you know, caused him to take that initiative and bring uh, someone alongside with him. But let's unpack that uh, time frame last night. You guys had a nice tailgate uh, outside. And then uh, you had a nice lineup indoors. Uh, so talk about what was involved in the planning. Obviously, this was your first uh, gathering like this. You guys have done this before in multiple settings. But kind of walk the listener through what it looks like to have one of these biannual cookouts.
1: Well, we've got a great team assembled of guys from about, uh, it ranges from about 8 to 12 churches. That brings the no-regrets conference to a, a local church in each February. So that's kind of where all this began. Um, so that's a great gathering. We've been getting about 300 guys to attend that. But one of the uh, common themes on their evaluations afterwards is that they were looking for more opportunities to gather. So, so that's when we started having these cookout events. So um, we, we would meet and, and, and periodically and plan throughout the years how we were going to do these. And um, so uh, we've had great response from the community because one of the things we do for these cookouts is to make it a free event. We don't want to charge the guys um, it, so that again, that takes away an excuse of not coming well it 's uh twenty five bucks that i don 't want to spend well it 's going to be fifty bucks or a hundred bucks for me to bring three guys you know so this is free so we 've had great donations, community support to make this happen, and uh that 's part of the, the great response that we 've had but uh, yeah, there is a lot of planning that goes into it you know you, uh, but when you 're working with a team like that, you know each guy has his role and you, you, you just kind of get good at it so but when you host it locally. Then it becomes uh, a little bit more um, intensive for the local church. So our local pastoral staff was in- incredibly supportive. Um, like you said, the, the time on the stage, time the, the, the extra um, encouragement by Pastor Roger at the end. Um, all of our pastor, our administrative staff, our office staff. Um, one of our office staff was there last night. She was there all afternoon helping set up, um, getting stuff organized outside. She she ran to the store for us. All she asked for was a hamburger. I said, "So yeah, we can we can handle that." But just a uh, great support. Our local men's uh, leadership team of our our uh, local uh, the men of Edgewood were were involved. Um, other guys, uh, allies of our ministry, friends, the guys that are maybe on the leadership team were involved. So yeah, you can't do that on your own. Um but uh yeah, so and then uh speakers, you know, we've had different speakers come through the year uh because of we were hosting it. Um they kind of said, "Paul, do you have anybody that you would uh like to bring in?" I said, "Well, I'd like to you guys to check out this guy named uh Coach Kasai, uh Jeff Jeff Kasai, Coach K. And uh, just see what he's about. You know, here's his website. Kind of look through this stuff. This this thing he talks about um, on uh, who's in your foxhole, having those foxhole friends. I, I think that's a topic that would be very beneficial. And they reviewed it. And a couple of guys on the team said last night said, "Yeah, great choice." Cause the guys really enjoyed it. So thanks to you. We we it was a culmination of of a, of a great uh, a lot of planning <laughs> and
0: a great evening. The guys uh, certainly enjoy the tailgate time, and we always uh, train leaders to say the gathering is more important than the content. And so I think some great conversations probably were held around those tables. You know, new guys, uh, acquaintances became some friends, and uh, had a chance to just uh, dial it back. Guys are up under stress. They have a lot of uh, issues. Time is a modern-day currency, so we were thrilled to see a near-capacity crowd come out and participate and uh, have a chance to uh, enjoy that ministry of hanging out. And then the time of worship was very anointed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always like to take a poll for me when I come into an environment like this. Again, my, my third visit with you, uh, we want to turn this into a locker room experience. Right. And so I want to find out, you know, what we say, know your players. That's one of the three common mistakes that churches make, along with a lack of intentionality and a lack of multiple entry points. And you guys are doing a great job on all three arenas. But in knowing our players, I want to get a chance for who was here generationally first. We've talked about their spiritual journey. And we had all five generations represented. What was our age span last night?
1: 92. 92 years old. uh, One of the founders of our church. uh, Just a great man. Still an elder in our church. And then a six-year-old young man. And uh, just you could see that that young man uh, was being discipled too. And so to see those two up there on stage with you shaking hands... Um, And then all the generations, uh, an age group that (laughs) ranges in between that was in that audience. I think it spoke, uh, that was very powerful for the guys in the audience, too, to see that, wow, you know, a six-year-old up there on stage with a uh, 92-year-old. And we had quite a few uh, uh, guys over, well, I don't know, 70, 80, you know, I mean, there there was, I think, over a dozen in that first generation. And then uh, quite a few in that younger, youngest generation also. A lot of millennials, a lot of
0: that crowd there too. So, um, that was encouraging to me as a speaker because I was in a, a large city, Atlanta, recently, and only three generations were represented. Hmm. And that, that could be commonplace. First of all, you have churches that have a mindset oh, this is a men's gathering. What, what are these uh, young men coming here for? A six year old to a 92? How are you going to reach those guys? Hey, I believe the scripture says pretty clearly the older men should teach the younger man. Mm-hmm. Just like I was taught by a two-year-old young man today, and hopefully maybe he saw and picked up on some things from his grandfather and his friend, then uh, we've got to have that multi-generational approach. And so for those of you out there as leaders that say, no, no, you know, we don't want any of these boys around here. You need to make those interactions. Young men need to see, especially in this modern-day culture with all this gender identity crisis, they need to see what a true Christian man looks like and to know that these men have fun and they can interact with each other. They can worship God together. And so it's fantastic. Uh, that's part of the uh, the widest age span. I've had 12 to 82 mm-hmm. recently, but it go from 6 to 92. And so it was good for him. We had fun, you know, uh, telling man. one of the founders of your church, you know, uh, hey, pop those suspenders over there uh, occasionally to keep him awake tonight it's past his bedtime. And then also the six-year-old. But you can see the young men were really drawn to that. And I was really glad that your team, you know, puts that as part uh, of the uh, package to uh, be able to see that. And they were very, uh, they had a very teachable spirit, you know, throughout the evening while we came here to primarily focus on who is in your foxhole throughout the weekend and touching base with these multiple services, I just found there were a lot of guys on the fringe. And that's typical, 50 to 70% in most churches. And so we included where are you in your spiritual journey to then see, hey, for those of you guys that have not made the progress towards spiritual maturity, this is a crucial aspect. Who are you doing life with? Right. right. A lot of guys uh, have some acquaintances. Uh, some guys will have hunting buddies. But now, what does it look like to go deep in the, uh, our uh, spiritual journey together? How are things at home? How are things in your walk? How are things at work? And then to see the Holy Spirit take that and build on those foxhole friendships. And so I hope that you listeners, you know, inside of every leader is a man, you also need to take spiritual inventory. Where are you on your journey? There are six placements uh, in that spiritual journey uh, that we share. And then who are those go-to guys? that you're gonna have uh, in your life. And I know, Paul, you've had those experiences in your own world, and you certainly exemplify that. Well, let's talk about some fun stuff. You know, when I come to the state of Wisconsin, we're college football fans, and so the prognosticators are talking about the Badgers uh, being a potential Final Four candidate, along with my Clemson Tigers, so I'm looking forward to seeing Camp Randall Stadium on the way back to the airport in Madison today. But I wanted you to know it was a, a experience of a lifetime. I grew up as a Johnny Unitas fan, and the bitter rivals were the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Uh, not so much the Bears and the, and the Packers hated rivalries as it was Johnny Unitas, the field general of his era. But Lombardi and he trained his uh, players uh, in such a way. That that team trumped the talent that United's represented. But you took me on a tour. Obviously, you're a longtime Packers fan. That's another thing that's unique about the culture in Wisconsin. You know, this is not a Jerry Jones-owned team. So for the listening audience that may be a, a football fan, uh, unpack what it looks like to be in Titletown and our experience we had.
1: Well, like you said, you know, it's unique because the, the team is not owned by one person. It's owned by the community. It's always been that way and it always will be that way. And uh, we we were able to visit uh, uh, where it all began, um, the stadium uh, where they first started playing, which is now a high school stadium. And uh, you had mentioned, you know, man, I hope these young guys, you know, appreciate where they're at. And I said, I don't think a, a young man can grow up in Green Bay and not understand the, the Green Bay culture, the Green Bay history. You'd have to be living in a closet to do that. So, yeah. But uh, what, what a neat experience. So we took the tour. We were able to uh, get right down a field level, um, run through the tunnel as they're playing the, the Go Pack Go chant, you know, and, and come out on the field, um, sit up in one of the luxury boxes, get a lot of uh, information about the, uh, the history and ask questions there. Um, so, yeah, uh, real special experience. The Hall of Fame, just to see um, those old player gears, I, I really had appreciation for that because, You know, I remember those names, Jerry Kramer, uh, Jimmy Taylor. You know, I showed you, I took a picture of the his letter of application to the, he wrote a, a letter to the Green Bay Packer organization asking to play fullback for them. And I thought, wow, what a difference between the way things were then and how they are now and uh, what a what a, a great player he was for the packers and but then to see you know i mean like reggie white's uh, cleats there and, and uh, just all the the footballs and just all the memorabilia and then of course the trophy room uh, to see all that you know that goes back to the the 20s uh in the, in the early history with curly Lambeau and you know here's a guy the player coach that in and uh, well, i'd like to join this nfl in league or and to get involved with that. So, yeah, just a, a very special feeling when you, when you come up there and you see that big statue of Vince Lombardi and that big statue of Curly Lambeau and with Lambeau Field
0: behind it, uh, uh, it's indescribable. For those of you that are sports fans, you need to put that on your bucket list. I've already contacted a couple of Packers fans in my network, and I said, listen, I'm taking pictures and placing this uh, on Facebook uh, for a, a pictorial journal but again, you know, I, I wasn't—I had no affinity for the Packers, but I had a respect for the franchise and specifically for the Lombardi era. A couple spiritual parallels stood out to me when we were touring the room with the uh, World Championship trophies. There were four of those on display. And then off to the side was a picture of three Packer quarterbacks. Bart Starr from the era, from my young age as a boy, watching my Colts play with Johnny Unitas uh, versus the Lombardi live Packers with Bart Starr QB. And then there was the Brett Favre era, and then there was the Adrian, um, er, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers era. And um, when I saw that picture, uh, I asked you, I said, Paul, what did you see in that picture? And you told me what your answer was. And then uh, I told you what I saw was uh, the passage in the New Testament about Paul wanting to construct young Timothy to teach faithful men we teach others also, and so I took a picture with you to remind me that you, in this Green Bay area, Wisconsin-born uh, lad, uh, coming up, trained as an outdoorsman by your father, working in the correctional institute. You know, going through all that process. Now, uh, obviously, looking for men to move beyond behavioral modification to heart transformation. It was kind of a, it was a neat parallel. And then, what I really enjoyed were sitting in your office. Uh, with this podcast being recorded today we got to go into the Vince Lombardi office and mm-hmm. I sat down and interviewed you and we did a little role playing to see if you could make the team uh, <laughs> coming out of your high school career but that was a that was a fun experience so I, I encourage you sports enthusiasts if you ever get to the state of Wisconsin you definitely need to go visit Titletown, USA city stadium include that as part of the process that'd be the oldest nfl field uh, left in america
1: well if you come up in august during training camp you can uh, go watch practice and they set practice up there there, there's a schedule for that but they almost like a game day experience they've got a little mini stadium there i think they they say average around 2500 people that'll come and watch practice and i've been up there with some of my grandkids And uh, I mean, they just just make it a game day experience for you. You have a lot of fun just watching practice. So
0: you can do that too, and you're right next to the players then. Tell us about, uh, speaking of multi-generational, as we experienced last night at the rally, and we'll come back to that. Tell us about the multi-generational tradition with the bicycles and the players.
1: Yeah, the uh, uh, players will, um, to get to the practice field, will walk from the uh, locker room across the street and then over to the practice field. But uh, through the years, what the kids have done is they will go over there and they'll have their bikes sitting there, and then players will take their bikes and the child will carry his helmet and run alongside of them. Some of them have bikes set up where they can stand on the back uh, pedals and the, while the player rides. So you see this you know, 250-pound linebacker riding his little bike with a kid on his back his shoulders and stuff like that. And uh, so it's just, yeah, it's so neat to see these guys interacting with these kids. Years ago, we would take our kids when they were little – and uh, uh, one day we were there, it was the last day of open practice. And uh, so a lot of the players, the, the more famous players, would not do that just because of who they were. But this last day, um, Reggie White walked back, and our daughter got to shake his hand. And, I mean, that's just something she will
0: never forget, to shake Reggie White's hand. So that was cool. So the intentionality of the franchise, uh, owned by the community, uh, they have the uh, season ticket holders out there in, in mass. In fact, they were saying the, the season ticket, I think this is the 1950s, You know, the, the season tickets have been sold out. So it's a very unique experience. That was another thing you could just pick up on the community-driven. It wasn't, you know, we're over here at Prima Donna's, uh, you buy the tickets, sit in the stands, buy some popcorn, cheer a on, get a jersey. You know, you, you could feel, I thought, that's the kind of community that God designs for men to mm-hmm. have. And so there's a biblical community that we're longing. So going back to the rally last evening when we talked about these two questions, where are you on your journey of faith? And who are you in a biblical community with? these foxhole friends? That's much like and I didn't reference this with the guys last evening, but really Lombardi was a classic you know parallel uh, to seeing how God wants us to live as leaders of men, Hmm. to create that locker room environment, to have that camaraderie. And a lot of the quotes and pictures on the wall, you could see there was one there of Jerry Kramer hoisting Lombardi on one of the championships. (laughs) You could just tell in this man's eyes, and I've heard interviews with Kramer, that uh, a recent Hall of Fame um, uh, inductee, uh, long overdue, by the way, and uh, you could just see uh, the... uh, Esteem that Lombardi oh, yeah. was held in. Yeah. He was really more than a coach. He was like a a father figure. So a lot of a lot of great stuff up here in uh, in the Green Bay area. Outdoorsman. Obviously, that's something that's a big part of your life. Uh, there'll be some guys on the podcast that may be uh, outdoors enthusiasts. So if a fellow wants to come here and go hunting or fishing, what would they find in this neck of the woods? Well, uh, if you go on a lake, walleye fishing, bass fishing,
1: northern uh, muskie. Northern Wisconsin, uh, very well known for some big muskies. Um, I personally like walleye fishing. I like the tactics and that use for that. And uh, I used to do more pheasant hunting, and uh, but I, uh, I was doing too many things. And my passion has become uh, bow hunting for white-tailed deer. Uh, you mentioned earlier about being out in the woods, the quiet. Um, there's nothing I love more than, than being in the woods uh, before sunrise and just watching the woods come to life. The, the birds, the squirrels, um, that sound behind you, is that a squirrel or is that a deer approaching? Usually if you can hear it, it's not a deer. Um, and so with, uh, with archery hunting, with bow hunting, white-tailed deer, um, you're trying to get this deer within 20 to 30 yards of you. And so there's a big challenge that goes with that. But uh, I love the stillness of that. Um, the if there's an opportunity, that's just a bonus to it all. Um, but uh, so those are the, those moments that I like to share with my grandkids because that's part of my intentionality. I want I want them to experience that, but I want them to experience that moment of you know watching the sun come up through the trees, the geese flying, the turkeys waking up in the woods, and the noises they make, and just explaining God's creation to them and that.
0: When I was here previously, it was during the winter months. And so uh, I had a very interesting seasonal experience uh, on that occasion, I'll reference. Uh, this time, being here in late summer, you know, we've seen the floral displays and uh, green grass. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, I expected to see it at Lambeau Field, but it's, it's been beautiful to see it without it being snow covered, as in previous occasions. But those of us from the south, we might get one major snowstorm a year, and we're not really equipped to handle the, even the little minor snowstorms. I don't even privilege you guys, but I'll never forget On my previous occasion here, we flew in in the evening and settled down for the night. Uh, We're in good shape. Next morning, I wake into 8 to 10 inches of snow (laughs) and also wake into, what is that noise outside? And uh, there you are on the tractor clearing off the driveway. It didn't impede us at all from going to our meeting with some local leaders of men as we were looking to consult with churches and, and their pastors so I just found that fascinating that, you know, that was not the experience. We'd shut everything down for three days with you experience. <laughs> that was just steady as she goes. Life moves on. Life goes on. Ha- hunting <laughs> continues. It was just a, a, yeah. a nice cultural experience for us. Well, as we wrap up the podcast today, coming out of the correctional facility and then longing to move beyond the local church, you started going to the No Regrets Conference, begin to grow in your own faith. And so then you want to have, uh, obviously, a deeper experience. And so both No Regrets in Milwaukee and Man in the Mirror in Orlando have been a part of your formative training. Right. So tell us about those two uh, leaders, uh, Steve Sonderman and Pat Morley, what you learned from each of those guys and how those ministries have helped to shape and impact you. Yeah, those
1: two ministries are absolutely two of the most critical and important ministries that have occurred in my life, the No Regrets Conference, uh, some of the men that have spoken there have, have really spoken to me. But I would always come back from those conferences and go, "What's next? What's next? I can't wait another year to have that that <laughs> Super Bowl experience." I need, I need more than that. I need to eat daily, and uh, so my uh, involvement with Man and Mirror has been crucial to that. Uh, Pat Morley's books, writings, teachings, um, the Man in the Mirror philosophy with training leaders and, and pastors just. Uh, um, so important to me now so that that is what allows me to carry out. so the uh, the two are just such a, a great combination a, a way for uh, churches to minister to their men you get that 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 big experience that can create momentum uh, going into your your ministry season like the now like you said like you know fall is usually the launch period that's what's happening for us locally we're going to have one smaller event for the guys at our church but it just gets guys f- fired up and ready to get into the ministry season. Um, but yeah, for me personally, it's been some of the most growth that I've ever experienced have been through these two ministries.
0: For those who are listening to the podcast today that may be new to the intentional way, uh, one of the things that we desire, uh, maybe a guy brings in a retreat speaker, he flies in, he shares the topics, uh, returns home. We try to be intentional on the front end and the back end. So while last night was a culmination of our trip, we also built some things around that. Uh, You provided me the ministry of hanging out, which I certainly enjoyed at the stadium. And hopefully we tried to model some things to you, as we had previously in another context. But uh, to those out there that may consider the intentional way as an opportunity uh, to bring to their city, uh, to do a rally or something of that nature, uh, what would you like to uh, share about that uh, to that leader who may consider us?
1: Sure. Um, Well, time spent with you is very special time. Uh, You've taught me a lot through the years of uh, being associated with each other, whether it be through a a phone call, through a video conference, but this opportunity to hang out together, to be one-on-one, the drive time, the prayer times, the events, that's just uh, time that can't be replaced by anything else. Uh, You've taught me a lot. You are... uh, very special example of intentionality. And that's what I have really come to learn that, you know, if I want to teach my grandkids something, I need to be intentional. I need to think about that. What do I want to teach them and how am I going to do that? Some of that comes back to their fathers. How do I build into their lives? So I have to build into them. How do I build into their wives which are my daughters and then that all starts with their mother too so uh, nurturing and loving her so it begins with that it it works its way down but it all requires intentionality so I I think uh, I can't thank you enough for your ministry and and what you've done for me personally what you do for men in general and and I think uh, intentionality is just so crucial for men all over just you just got
0: to you gotta be intentional. You gotta, you gotta have a game plan, right, Coach? Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, as we wrap this session up today, again for you leaders out there, I hope that even in your own context, uh, you'll see the gathering more important than the content. Really? Those, those guys are gonna, they're gonna forget what you studied three years ago. It's not that it doesn't have importance to it, but as we talk about the theme verse for our ministry, found in First Thessalonians two eight, the Apostle Paul he was complimenting the church at Thessalonica as you look at verses 1 through 7. And then he says something at verse 8 that I really, really resonate with. He says to that church, I delighted to share with you not only the good news of the gospel, which to me is the written word, but to share my life as well. So we come out, have a chance to invest in your community, speak to your men. It's, it's beyond the rally. It's beyond the retreat. It's beyond other Gatherings, the men's summits that we conduct. What happens in between these gatherings? And at the gathering, how can the men connect with each other? So we strive to give you on the front end and the back end a model, a mindset. Uh, some methodology that can be beneficial to you all the influences that have been impactful to you have equally been impactful to me including Steve Sonner and Pat Morley but I enjoy uh, being with guys like Paul Neville because uh, he has a humble spirit and a teachable spirit those are two essential qualities in a man's life and it's been an honor uh, to come back for the third occasion to the state of Wisconsin and we didn't know what was going to happen last evening we didn't know what God was going to do <laughs> the weather forecast didn't look great. Very positive, but but God answered in a practical manner, and he sent some guys there that I believe that weren't planning to come initially, right. Right. and I believe there's some ripple effects, not because we were here, it's because of the work that was done by the team in advance, as well as a host church that's being very intentional in trying to reach in this out with their men. The senior pastor not just providing a platform announcement slot that's a big win in a lot of places. You may get a a written announcement and a uh, or something on the website, but very rarely will they allocate because of that lack of intentionality. But at the end of the service, Pastor Roger, hey guys, don't miss tomorrow night. You need to be here. It's going to be a great occasion. Not only did he endorse it but he also participated and brought his son Josh He right. yep. have a chance to meet afterwards. So it was just a great setting, a great venue. You guys would be applauded. I'm looking forward to seeing where God will take this. But we weren't event-driven. We were vision-focused. And now, what will be some next steps these guys can take along the way? Any final comments you want to share to the maybe the leader out there that, you know, man, Paul, man, I, I wish I could pull off something like that. I don't have a team. I'm just a point man. What, what can I do in my little small context? Or... Hey, Paul, uh, I'd like to get some more information about that. That sounds very intriguing. You know, tailgate party, having something to follow up. Oh, yeah, we've done the, the men's conferences before, but I haven't thought about that in that situation. How would you want to encourage uh, the guy who's discouraged? How do you want to enlighten somebody who would like to receive some more training?
1: Well, what I found out through my own experience is there are resources out there for you, and uh, you just got to reach out and, and, and ask for it. So, you know, if I go on your website, Reach out to you, contact you. I know you're gonna help me through stuff. If you go to the Man in the Mirror website, you can see all the resources that are available there. Maybe you live in an area where there's an area director, so you got uh, a guy locally that can build into you, help you with that. So um, there there are more, a lot more opportunities now for for help with uh, a ministry to men than there was when I kind of started with it. And you just got to be intentional. (laughs) You got to look for it, take the initiative, and go do it. But it's there. And uh, um, guys will be eager to help you out. I know that for sure.
0: Well, we appreciate you listening in today to Insights on Intentionality. It's been an honor to have a few days uh, with Paul Neville, my good friend once again. I really look forward to seeing where God will take this weekend. Again, not because we were here, but there was a lot of prep work that went into this, and God showed up in a big time way. And He wants to do that in your neck of the woods as well. So I would also add to what Paul has shared continue on. God didn't call us to be successful, He calls us to be faithful. Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. Paul Neville is a faithful man, and I saw God provide him blessings. Not because we deserve it, but because we desire it. Hey, we'll look forward to the next occasion of sharing additional insights on the podcast. And remember Ephesians five sixteen: Make the most of every opportunity. Remember this. Most people have good intentions, but few people practice intentionality. This is Coach K. Come and see Lambeau Field, have a chance to experience the Midwest, and take a great hunt. But until the next time we gather on Insights of Attention Alley, may the Lord be with you and remain faithful in his cause.